0: It's Cincinnati Bengals Talk.
1: Hey, I can't wait to talk about Jamar Chase. You can't wait to talk about the best receiver in the NFL? I can't wait. You can't wait to talk about a top five defense that has no major names on it? (laughs) All right, so the other two guys are messing with me to start us off because I was able, fortunately, to go to the Chiefs game this Sunday, which was amazing. Jamar Chase obviously had his biggest game in his career against one of the best teams in the NFL, and they showed his big play touchdown on the big screen, In I've just been updating them on every single big play he's made because Chase, he, he and Burrow, that, really that whole 2019 LSU team, it was a bandwagon effect because I liked rooting for them, it wasn't, but it was never like, I'm an LSU fan. It was like, yeah, it's cool to see one of the best teams ever just come together and dominate teams, In it's not Alabama,
2: Ohio State, so it's something different. You may not be a an LSU fan, but I feel I truly feel that you are a Cincinnati Bengals fan.
0: Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. I want everybody to know, Landon is a tried and true, as in last Friday or was that last Thursday? We were all texting, and big fella, he was like, "All right, bleep it, I'm driving in from Knoxville. Get me a <laughs> ticket." Yeah, it was Thursday <laughs> afternoon because I was saying I think Henry
1: can break the single game rushing record. I'm jealous you guys are going to be there, and I won't. Then I looked at the schedule. My classes, my class workload wasn't that heavy. The next couple of days after the
2: game, so I just drove down Friday Friday afternoon. We went to the game. Honestly, I would probably drive down if my class load were heavy. I'd be like, forget it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's well, funny about he's talking about, you know, LSU and not necessarily being a fan. I, I know two years ago when we, I was trying to get him excited about colleges to visit. It was in probably the middle towards the end of the college football season, and I was going through. Um, like different schools, like of course he applied to you know all the elite schools or whatever, but I was like, what about Alabama? And he was like, civil rights. And I was like, what about Ole Miss? He's like, ugh. And then I just going down like because we were watching college football that day. And I was like, what about LSU? And he's like, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> it is interesting. I do think the brand uh, can be helped by football, and obviously Landon was an elite student. We went down and visited LSU, and I can pretty safely say Landon, that was your bridesmaid school, right? Outside the
1: Pop schools through this program called QuestBridge, which didn't quite work out. I'd probably say that was like the biggest school we just regularly applied to. I did like the campus. They just ended up not offering enough scholarships and It is what it is. I'm happy at UT, but LSU would have been cool too. Although I am appreciative of that I'm much, much closer to home because otherwise I couldn't have been to the Chiefs game this past weekend if I had been in Louisiana.
0: Well, mm, that's it for Cincinnati really. Bengals talk, guys. <laughs> what do you say? Uh, hey. Tennessee Titans talk. We've had a great two weeks. It's to the point where we lost that Jets game. Landon said, watch us lose to the Jets and uh, even lose to the Jags and then beat the Chiefs, beat the Bills. Well, we didn't quite do that, and now national media kind of turned around on us. Um, we executed almost flawlessly Sunday. It makes you wonder. And, I mean, Kansas City just looks so bad, but I think it's kind of telling. I wonder if the rest of our fan base kind of feels this way, that, John, I turned to you at the end of that game Sunday, and I – Couldn't even remember who we were playing this Sunday because it seemed like for the last month, plus we've just been talking Bills Chiefs, Bills Chiefs, Monday Night Football Chiefs. It does seem like a pretty significant kind of like turning point in the season, right?
2: Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you're looking if we this is easily our toughest stretch of the the season with these two games. Um, I mean, you know, you can argue that the, the stretch goes on for the next two as well. But these were the ones that everybody circled on the calendar. Obviously, Monday night football against the Bills is prime time. Everybody circles that. Uh, and we've had them on the Tuesday night game last year. So it's always just going to turn into this big thing. And we're two of the, the rising stars. And then the Chiefs are the Chiefs. Um, so it was a tough stretch. And I was hoping to at least come out 1-1. and And here we are 2-0 and in those two games. Landon, we know the implications of the last two weeks.
0: As fans, it was just a blast. What did the last two weeks really tell you about this Titans team so far this season and what they could accomplish for the rest of the season? It feels really weird to say, and I'm afraid that I'm going to jinx it, but maybe
1: the coordinator situation has turned a corner. Because, I mean, the Bills' defense you was You shut amazing. your mouth. <laughs> the Bills' defense was amazing. We scored 34. We scored six straight times. The Chiefs' offense, particularly their passing offense, was amazing. We had the hospital squad at cornerback they didn't score a touchdown maybe it's just a, just a fluke or it's you prepare for the big game you're all fired up you got all that energy things go right but that was our two best games of the season period just coaching execution and it was in a, situations where our weaknesses should have been a lot worse than they were and in those two games we scored on 11 straight drives and if tan hill didn't throw that dumb interception it would have been 12 and after that, we'd probably take the foot off the gas and stop scoring. But 11 straight drives against any team in the NFL is
0: almost impossible to do. Big fella, in all seriousness, those are great points, of course, Landon makes. Is the most impressive thing of the last two games how our really depleted defensive backfield performed against this Chiefs offense?
2: Um, I think it's pretty great how they did perform. I mean, Greg Maven came in and played amazing. Uh, I think he only allowed one catch for six yards. But the thing that I think is most impressive is Harold Landry is currently second in the league for sacks with seven and a half on the year. I mean, we haven't had this kind of sack production maybe ever <laughs> since Javon Curse. I, I don't remember us being, you know, having a star like that. So I'm I'm most pleased and excited with the way we've been able been able to get after the quarterback,
0: Landon. I think every like really astute Titans fans thinks the same thing. Uh, we've been saying for um, almost three years on this podcast, if we're going to be Super Bowl contenders, we have to have a pass rush. Now, that offensive line was pretty bad for Kansas City, but it was quite a showing. Does that give you hope that we, we could be an actual factor in January just based on Landry, Bud Dupree, Simmons? I mean, are we – it was that a fluke, or are we looking at that missing piece? I wouldn't call it a fluke. Outside of the Jets game, where nothing outside of Derrick Henry went
1: right, and the Cardinals game where Kyler Murray just ran around everybody because he's the fat, he's just so so fast. We've had a consistent pass rush in every game, and sometimes the defense doesn't always play as well as the pass rush does. I know, like the Bills game, we had a pretty good pass rush, but they still scored one. They still scored thirty-one, but Dupree. Has hardly played this year. He's still bouncing back. Last week, he only played 30% of snaps. And it was really only with Landry, Simmons, and Autry, our best four-man front. We're getting Derek Roberson back in the next couple weeks. He's been activated. He's been designated to return from IR. Adeni is still getting some spot snaps. And the defensive line, which I thought the depth of it would be an issue, has become a string. tier Tart has really improved. Naquan Jones has turned... For- in the past two weeks, has gone from a meme practice squad player to a guy that is getting consistent pass rush. And and Laurel Murchison had a couple plays on Sunday laying the game when he was kind of out of hand. He just got back from IR. So the defensive front as a whole, I thought the top end, yeah, the talent is nice, but the the depth might be suspect. The depth is actually looking to be our strength. I still think we're going to add one more edge
2: rusher to just go all in.
0: Big fellow Laurel Murchison from that vaunted 2020 draft class
2: hey uh, I, I thought he had potential I mean I was a little worried and starting to look like nobody from 2020 would show up but yeah I mean I think he's a decent player he's definitely ro- depth in rotation um, I think we have our best front four than we've had that we've had um, in a long time when you put Bud Dupree, Big Jeff, Danico Autry, and Harold Landry and that's been our that was our I guess recipe for success on Sunday. I think all those guys actually ended up with a sack. Yeah, that was our third
1: down pressure package, I believe. At least the were the high leverage situations. That was our package.
0: So, as a Titans fan, we're kind of used to. I mean, wow, that Bills team, all the hype. We win that down in the end. as anticlimactic in a good way. Of course, Kansas City was strangely boring. It was weird. I mean, we they were never a factor in that game. If you had to say, John, though, what, what was the most fun thing about... Of course, we were at both of those games. They were six days apart. Wasn't it just the most fun thing about the last two weeks of being a Titans fan?
2: I think it's just, you know, because being in Nashville, we're always in a situation where we're going to be outnumbered by the opposing fans, especially those who uh, of popular teams like the Bills and the Chiefs. And, you know, I, I it was so much fun to see the fans come in. And, you know, we were we were cordial with a lot of these fans and they, they were actually good sports about losing and they were excited to be there. Um, I I would say that for the Buffalo game, we were sitting next to a guy and, he had traveled from Wyoming. He knew about Josh Allen um, and wanted to see him play in person. And, you know, growing up as a kid, he had a Frank Wycheck and a Kevin Dyson jersey. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is a football fan coming to watch, uh, you know, the Bills versus Titans. And, you know, there were similar fans like that at the Chiefs game. So I that was honestly just so so exciting for me. And, you know, we love to tailgate. So I always love getting there with you guys and, you know, just having a couple of drinks, eating some food, hanging out with friends and catching up with people in our our, our group i think we're gonna I, well actually the funniest thing was robert being asleep for the whole game yeah tell so. that story briefly <laughs> in its entirety because that's that's pretty classic so robert we call him the mayor of our section up in 331 and he is a true diehard titans fan and he robert must have party a little bit too hard on sunday because we walked we walked up to the seats and he was in rare form and then before you know it robert was asleep <laughs> it was pretty much the whole game and then we looked down towards the end a couple minutes left in the fourth quarter when it was well out of hand and robert was gone so i hope robert has uh i know they include the NFL game pass so you can rewatch games. I hope Robert was able to to go home, sit down and rewatch that game because he missed a good one.
0: Landon, besides falling asleep yourself at our tailgate, <laughs> um, what was your favorite part about being a Titans fan in the last couple of weeks?
2: Because it has been
0: a blast. I
1: would say just seeing two great wins at home that have been te- complete team efforts because we have the most players on IR in the NFL and they've been major impact players. Guys that have come back, like Imani Hooker we out last week against the chiefs and just seeing end of ro- end of roster guys step up like the bills game Breon borders and chris jackson are hanging on by the skin of their teeth to seal that win then last then this past week we signed a guy from the practice squad he plays almost the entire game on offense julio jones is complete afterthought like i know fantasy doesn't necessarily reflect how good a player actually is but julio jones is not a fantasy player anymore we don't we use him for big plays We established a lead, and then we're just load managing him. Like against the Chiefs, he played 40% of the snaps, and our offense didn't miss a beat. Just knowing that from top down, we have a team of players that, when called upon, can step up, can fill in the void. And knowing that as the season goes on, thankfully we haven't had any season-ending injuries. We've had several major ones to send guys to IR, but end of season, if we keep load managing guys, we just win. This division, if we win against the Colts, is going to be ours to lose. We'll get a home playoff game. We'll be looking to be healthy down the road, and even the even the backups are going to be battle-tested. I do think Farley had season-ending, correct? Oh, yeah. Farley and Batson are the two major injuries, but Fullen, Hooker, Dupree, Julio, LeJuan, all the Jayon, all these guys
0: are missing three-plus games, and we've been hanging in there. Mm-hmm. I think Landon's emphasis on the back end of our roster is important. Um, good teams do that, especially from a pass rush standpoint, you see depth. We're seeing that come alive. It is makes us feel better about what we've talked about. I think earlier on the season about if our front office is still kind of in, uh, in top form, I don't think you have a really good back end of the roster without a good coaching staff and Landon has, um, kind of changed his feelings last couple of weeks about our coaching staff. And uh, I think it's tough, big fella, Mm -hmm. uh, but you have to give credit where credit's due. It's not over. We still have some issues, but I didn't see any, any missed assignments in the defensive backfield uh, against the Chiefs, and that is a huge thing, and we have seen that. So maybe we are coming around. I don't know if if Schwartz is having a bigger impact or our guy's learning on the fly, but it is a really, really good sign to me. I know it's just a couple games of season, a lot of good things to talk about, of course.
2: Oh, I was going to say, I'm glad you mentioned Schwartz, because I've I've got this, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of stuff on the Titans' blogs and social media pages, and everybody wants to give Jim Schwartz the credit for Sunday's win, and while he may have had a little bit of an influence, I don't think that's fair. Um, I feel like if we're going to criticize Shane Bowen all the time, I feel like he deserves a little bit of the credit, too, so hopefully we can attribute some of the turnaround to him and see more of it, uh, because Shane Bowen is a defensive coordinator, so... I just feel like social media, and obviously we know everybody on social media. Um, you know, some are fan, true fans; others are not. I just think that Titans fans in general, you know, for how much grief we've given Shane Bowen, you have to kind of give him some of the credit for Sunday. Not just oh, to, not absolutely. just chalk it all up to Schwartz. Yeah, well said.
1: And these past two games, we've just stopped running man. Like against the Bills, we ran four man plays. I don't, I haven't seen the stats for the Chiefs game. I'm sure is similar. We just that was the main issue last year. Guys didn't know who they're supposed to cover. A guy was a receiver was just running into the open field because in man, if a guy forgets his assignment, that's it. In zone, you at least have guys that can right. cover up for him. We just been playing it safe against
0: the Chiefs. We were just daring
1: Mahomes to keep d- dinking and dunking for five yards.
0: True. They just could never sustain anything. It was the weirdest thing with between penalties and drop passes, and I think uh, Mahomes was trying to do too much. It was just so weird to see. A team and a player that we know is so talented just not be able to, like, sustain literally one drive. And part Mm -hmm. of it is the kind of receivers they have.
1: Like, all the receivers are small, slight, fast guys. That's good when Mm -hmm. you're hitting the explosive plays and a defense is allowing you to take those big plays. But when you're just trying to consistently move the chains, you need bigger body guys. Like, we saw it with us, like, Reynolds, A.J. Brown, Julio, even Nick Westbrook is taller. Like, those guys, you dump it off, they'll get seven yards They'll carry defender an extra yard, but like Byron Pringle, McCole Hardman, you aren't throwing them seven
0: yard curls to shorten the sticks. Right. But they have Kelsey as like the ultimate blanket. They weren't able to effectively utilize him. Why do you think that was on Sunday? I saw it a lot because I
1: thought Crookshank was getting, was going to get called for a lot more flags than he did get called. I think he got
0: called for one or
1: two holding, but they were just having Crookshank maul Kelsey like every single time, like the full five yards. He's just trying to yank Kelsey to the ground and, Just muck it up because, like you said, Kelsey is their only consistent short yardage guy. And Crookshank just played him physical, and Kelsey had his day, but he also, with Mahomes being off, had a lot of missed opportunities. Like We saw in, I want to say, the third quarter when Mahomes just overshot him and he was complaining for a flag, and Dave Long was just mocking him. That's when you know just the team isn't there when you're complaining for a flag that wasn't there in the first place.
2: It's funny you say that because if you remember three years ago when we went into Kansas City for the playoff game and Marcus threw the uh, threw his own touchdown pass, we took Kelsey out of that game. I mean, I'm I'm not saying we took him out of that game as like a positive, but it was that style of play where it was Jonathan Cyprian. So yeah, literally knocked him out of the game. Yeah, but I mean, the point is they are. Whenever we play Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs. We are going to play him physical and normally from the safety position. So Crookshank is just the second iteration of that. And I think it's, I think, you know, granted some of the coaching staff is probably all the coaching staff has changed, but I think that's a team philosophy. Like they, we know how dangerous he is. So we're going to we're going to be super physical with it. And that's why he doesn't have success, uh, you know, or he hasn't had success against us. Guys, let's pivot to the Colts. Um, I know, was that three seasons ago, Landon? We beat
0: the Eagles, beat the Patriots. Uh, Amazing time. I was so excited. Landon, let's go to the Colts game. We drive up to Indianapolis. That place is like a weird gym, like a basketball (laughs) gym anyways. We got absolutely ran out of that gym. Crushed. Yeah, we left Um, mid-third quarter. Yeah, we left mid-third quarter. I mean, we kind of had to. I mean, it was terrible, but... There are shades of that. I know I say every week, oh, it's a trap game. But um, the Colts, you guys know I thought it was unfair that, you know, we we, um, won the division last year. I think more national people picked the Colts than the Titans. That was a disservice to Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill. That being said, they seem, John, to be sort of working out the kinks here. I think that they have a really good chance to stay in this division and beat us Sunday.
2: Oh, yeah. I will never, ever take the Colts lightly. And they are starting to put things together. Jonathan Taylor is looking like the running back we all thought he would be. Honestly, he may be one of the most complete players in the NFL offensively. So he's just having an incredible season. And Carson Wentz, as much as I dog on him, it's starting to click for him. He's got down the, past, the turnovers this year. He has a lot. And I think the past what past four games, he's thrown at least two touchdowns each game. And the thing that that was kind of unlike a Colts team in past uh, this past weekend was they won a, r- a really ugly game. I mean, the weather was horrible, and they they were able to pull it out. Yeah, the col the Colts are a hot team, but I just it's not just
1: because they're our rivals and I don't like them to begin with. But I want to see them do it against a good team because they started out. I want to say one and three or zero and four, and their three wins are. In Miami, Miami is awful. They're, they have the number two overall pick. In Houston, Houston fa- is falling apart. They're no longer being sneakily competitive for half a game. They're just falling apart after the first quarter. And like John said, on the road in San Francisco. That is a decent win, but with the weather in San Francisco, isn't really what we all thought it would be. They haven't really been a good team, and when they have played good teams, they've lost. And we beat them before, and I understand Wentz was hobbled. He's not now. That T Y Hilton is going to be back, the Titans' killer. It's in Indy. Yeah, yeah, the Chiefs are hot. Yeah,
0: their offense is hot, but they're not playing anyone. No, I think that's a good point. Uh, I'm. I fear them on Sunday. I don't really fear them over seventeen games. But uh, I just don't like going up there and playing. Like John said, uh, Big Fellow, what's what's the line on that game?
2: Currently, the line is set at uh, at one. The Colts are one point favorites. Uh, Landon, what's your reaction to that? Well, I generally agree with Vegas, but. That's about where I would have. I actually saw
1: earlier this week it was plus one Titans or one. Yeah, it might have been minus one Titans, but we've been favorites the whole time. That's fair because we beat them before. Overall, we've been the better team. We have fewer glaring weaknesses and we've just been better teams. I understand like any given Sunday you have to play week to week, but beating the Bills and Chiefs back to back. That's a lot better than being the Dolphins and Texans back to back.
0: I would agree that usually this scares me, but I mean we have the better team, John, and we have obviously established a recipe for winning. I think it's going to be really important that we go on the road and and win this game Sunday. I know it's early. If we win this game, there's tons of hyperbole in our own fan base and national media. Oh, well, they can wrap up the division. No, 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 no. It's not even winter yet. But
2: But we we would have an
0: extremely good,
2: extremely big lead, big fella, if we can win this game on Sunday. Oh, without a doubt, that's definitely the inside track to winning this division. And sweeping the Colts is always something that's going to be in our favor. You figure, uh, I don't want to count on anything, but you figure we've got another win against the Jags. And even in the craziest scenario, if we split with the Texans, that gives us five division wins. And then if you count the Chiefs and the Bills, I mean, that's an inside track to, you know, potentially a first-round buy. I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself here. Not
1: if my Cincinnati Bengals have anything to say no, about it. No, I knew you'd say
2: it. I knew you'd say it.
0: Atlanta's been uh, working on the um, Iggy Shuffle um, on <laughs> YouTube. And he's, it's really it's really getting good. Oh, my goodness.
2: But, yeah, I mean, and then think about this. I mean, arguably our next toughest game outside of Indy is going to be Sunday night against the Rams in two weeks. And I, I like our chances a thousand times more if we come out of Indianapolis with a win rather than going into that game with a loss.
0: Landon, I know that NFL teams can't win all their games. So if we win one of these two games, I'm going to feel good about us as a team in January because both are tough games. Uh, I, I actually like the timing of that Rams game on the road. Uh, I think it's like the ultimate litmus test, right? I know it matters how we're playing in January, but that I think teams that wind up winning championships, they even you can't win every game, but they show shades of being able to win against really good teams on the road, right? So um, I kind of like John where I see this is the next two-pack of games, right? Colts and then Rams in L.A. I, I, I see them kind of in the aggregate together like I did Bills Chiefs. Yeah, and just this four-game stretch has
1: been even more emotional than I thought it would be because obviously we beat the Bills at the last second. We crush the Chiefs. Then we go on the road to our biggest division rival, a chance to lock up the division. Danico Autry wants his revenge game. Then we go on the road to what is maybe the NFL media's darling team this year, the L.A. Rams. All the advanced analytics say they're a top three team. They're Super Bowl contenders. By production, they have the best receiver in the NFL, although I'd say Jamar Chase is still better than (laughs) Cooper Cup. They have the best defensive player in the NFL and Aaron Donald still. Jalen Ramsey is still amazing and just the emotional fallout of going up to Indy playing a division rival on the road and then having to go cross country to the West Coast to play a great team and their stadium even though their fan base doesn't really show up like uh, the other great teams do that's really hard i think i'd prefer we beat the rams even though i understand being if we only had to if we could only win one i'd rather beat the rams i understand you beat the colts we're four games up in the division it's ours But beating the Rams matters more because if we beat the Bills and the Rams, two of the top five teams by analytics and just the eye test, we're probably a top five team too. And their greatest greatest strengths match up against our greatest weaknesses. So if we can prove that we can hang with the big boys, then I'll feel a lot better about feeling a little excited for the playoffs this year.
2: Let me ask you this, Land. If Julio Jones gets back to form, who – Who is the Rams' number two corner?
1: I would have said Darius Williams, but he went on IR. I think he's eligible to return after this game. And thankfully for us, Fulton can come back after the Colts game, but obviously there's a lot to be determined with his status. I want to say it's Robert Rochelle. He's either a fourth-round rookie or a fourth-round second-year player from Central Arkansas.
2: This is how I'm going to get more excited about that game. Because assume that Julio continues to ascend and gets back to his Julio self, we're finally going to see, like we saw this Sunday, we're going to finally see our complement of offensive skilled positions, uh, you know, taking on one of the NFL's best. Or we just use Julio the whole time and don't load manage him. Right. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, if Julio finally gets up to it, then you put Jalen's going to take one of them. And, I, I, you know, I'm sorry. I'm getting too far ahead of ourselves.
0: No, I don't think you are. I think we're load managing Julio not for the playoffs for when we need him. For in a game like when we're going to need him. I think that's the load management. It's not for three months from now. And I think when we need to see him, we'll see him the whole game. Right, Land? Yeah, I think this Chiefs game was a great indicator because
1: Josh Reynolds, Marcus Johnson, Westbrook, all these guys were throwing these dink and dunk passes that Julio could do because the Chiefs defense is awful, like – Josh Reynolds is walking the first downs. If you're worried about Julio's health, if you want to make sure that hamstring is hundred percent, don't waste him in a game where we're dominating. And really the most exciting thing in the second half was Brett Kern, finally getting to punt a, a football. Oh, yeah. I just want to beauty. I was just so happy that the second loudest cheer of the game after our last touchdown drive, when we were at the one yard line and everyone was chanting Henry, the second loudest cheer was when Brett Kern finally went on to punt at the end of the third quarter. And just hit a beautiful ball that died on the
2: three-yard line.
0: Yeah, I think everybody missed him and just cheered him. And then, of course, what did he do? Out there, two plays and just absolutely yeah. just perfect.
2: Two punts. Both of them landed at the three. I mean, you cannot you cannot plan it any better than that.
0: What's funny is everybody called that second one what he was going to do, and he did it. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I think it was you, Len, was like, this guy has not kicked in six weeks, and then, boom, just perfect kick. <laughs> it's just incredible what what do you hate most about the Colts?
2: Oh, what do I hate most about the Colts? I hate their stupid mascot. I hate their stupid uniforms. I hate their ridiculous fans. I hate the thought of Peyton Manning owning us for so long and then, you know, literally, I think uh, they didn't even take a break from beating us. I think we got beat by Curtis Painter and then started the Andrew Luck era. So I just cannot stand the Colts. I don't hate them as much as the Steelers, but I hate the Colts.
0: Landon, what kind of matchup? I know the Colts have a good front seven. What what kind of matchup do you think uh, Derrick Henry sees this weekend? Is he going to – he did what he did. We didn't really need him. I feel like he had 88 yards because we didn't need him to do what Derrick Henry does at the end of the third and the fourth quarter. I didn't count that against him. Uh, What are his chances to have that classic, as you see it, 150 two-touchdown game Sunday?
1: Yeah, Henry's performance, he only had three yards to carry. And the Chiefs defense, I think, had five or six tackles for loss. That really just spoke to how Vanilla, our play calling, got and how we weren't playing any of our good receivers. Like, his last three carries, we just had Nick Westbrook as the lone receiver, so we were obviously running. And the Chiefs were going to sell for the run. Because And at that point, I think, why don't you just throw in Evans or Nichols and save a couple carries on Henry. But Indy is the best run defense by DVOA by a good margin. In stark contrast, they're 22nd against the pass, and – with A.J. Brown emerging, Julio being good for about 50% of the snaps on a given basis. This is definitely going to be more of a passing game. But at the same time, this defense is pretty much what it was week three. Derrick Henry still ran for four and a half a carry, 113 yards. And the offensive line is playing better, and our offense is playing better. So I don't think he's going to have his classic Derrick Henry game. But at the same time, all of the ingredients are there. It's a division rival. It has major implications. It's a great defense on paper and by the numbers.
0: What worries you most, just in very quickly, Big Fellow, what worries you most about this Colts team? If it's one unit, one thing, like, oh man, we lost to the Colts, we could have won. What what's the one
2: thing that worries you about them? I really think it's their skilled positions. Um, they've got a bunch of depth at receiver. You know, we've talked about T. Y. Hilton, Michael Pittman Jr. is a really good talent. Um, Zach, the rascal, pascal he always finds a way to, to do stuff to us. And we've talked about Jack Doyle many years for so many years on this podcast. Um, and he is always, always an Achilles heel for us. And then you factor in Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack, they have the ability to score points at will. And that's what terrifies me because obviously divisional opponents know you best. These guys have played us for, for ever, and that's something that they always seem to take advantage of us with. You know, that middle of the field, stretch the field kind of stuff. So that's what terrifies me.
0: Landon, what worries you most about the Colts?
2: I would say their defense and It's strange because
1: they're backs, their back five with the loss of Julian Blackman, who tore his Achilles and is out for the year. Their secondary really shouldn't have an answer for us. Darius Leonard has regressed in pass coverage. They don't really have that go-to edge rusher. DeForest Buckner on the inside is good, but ju- they let Justin Houston walk. Quillipay has been banged up, hasn't quite replaced it. So I'm just afraid that Derrick Henry, against the best run defense by DVOA, gets slowed down enough, and we have a couple turnovers that we've avoided over the past few weeks that swing the momentum. The Colts get their voodoo magic, and you it's just the emotional fallout of winning two great games against two great teams at home just carries over. But I do don't think we're going to overlook it because it's the Colts on the road. If it were just some random team on the road, I think this could be a trap game where we don't quite go in fully prepared. But this is the Colts, and we've already lost that trap game where we got
0: embarrassed by the Jets. Uh, Guys, you both have alluded to that if we could somehow win these next two games, that would just force uh, the rest of the NFL to seed us as championship contenders. And there's a lot of championship contenders in November, but I mean... I think that's what's at stake here. No one's going to fault him for dropping one of these two games, but this is an opportunity for us to truly ascend. Uh, that being said, big fella, uh, what's your prediction for Sunday?
2: Um, you know, first game, we beat them 20, 25 to 16. I actually think that's a pretty reasonable score. I think it's going to be somewhere maybe a little higher over under currently is at 51 points. I don't know if it totally gets to that. Maybe it does. I'm going to go 28-14. I've got it closer. I've got it 27-24 Titans. Going to be
1: a nail-biter down to the fourth quarter, but I think our on offense our skill position players, mainly A.J. Brown and Julio against their secondary. Tannehill is heating up. That's just too much to cover up when you don't have a great pass rush.
0: Yeah, I'm going to say 31-27. Um, I think we go in, we win this game. I think – Everything we've been through, been some ugly losses, been some embarrassing defensive lapses. We have shown a lot of resilience. And this is, I think, where we come of age, this game and next game.
2: Yeah, and I've said – I always say it, you know, not that we're late into the season now, but I love it when we are winning games and we're still getting healthier. So we've talked about guys coming off of IR. We get Jayon Brown back potentially this week. Um we get
0: Derek Roberson
2: back, Air Brewer. Um, you know, after this week we could we'll, we should get um, Christian Fulton back. So I just love when we can stack up these wins and get healthier.
0: Guys, traditionally uh, up into the last few years, the trade deadline in the NFL has not been a, a very big happening. We have seen some movement and we've uh, certainly read a lot of stuff this week um about the NFL trade deadline is there is there any smoke Uh, we'll start with you Landon I mean do you see us being movers and what what can we hope for at best
1: I do think we will be movers because we do have a few positions of need cornerback we've been hinted at the Xavier Howard trade which the compensation for that if they're even going to trade him if they're going to trade him for assets to then flip for Deshaun Watson all of that is just really tangled together but I would say cornerback and another pass rusher would be what I would expect us to trade for. The offensive line at tackle could use some work, but just everyone needs tackle these days. No one's gonna if they have a good tackle worth trading. No one's gonna trade them. We're gonna sign a guy off the street at most. But Taylor Lewan was a full participant today. He's on track to come back, and Kendall Lamb is coming back. So our offensive line should be passable. I would expect us to swing for a backup edge rusher just so we don't have to keep riding Landry and. Dupree can be worked back in.
2: Yeah, I think um, I've seen a lot of smoke this week to, on social media. A lot of people have us as potential suitors for Derek Barnett from the Eagles. I don't think they're moving off of him unless they're going to start having a fire sale. If things keep going south for them. Um, I've also seen us in the market for Howard out of, out of Miami. I think those can be two interesting players. Obviously, I don't think we can handle both, but I really like J-Rob to swing for the fences. I don't think he's going to do it right now because, I, I, you know, we're just clinging on to whatever cap room we have, and I think there's going to be some veteran addition later on in the season that we're going to need more than we're going to need one of these two guys. Um, but speaking of trades, it does look like one just recently happened. Um, not for us, but in division, the Texans traded mark ingram back to the saints so i think that's a pretty interesting thing that just happened
0: landon uh your feedback on that earth shattering trade <laughs> yeah.
2: well no draft
1: pick compensation has come out because it's going to be probably a seventh rounder because mark ingram was signed on a one year deal houston he's old he's a running back houston doesn't really know what they're doing so it's cool that Ingram and Kamara reunite. I'm know i sure Ingram is happy to be playing with the Saints again. And maybe he has a bit left in the tank. He's he's obviously slowed down even from his first year in Baltimore when he was still a good player. But if you can just leave Kamara some and they don't have any offensive weapons with Michael Thomas still out that's a good trade because they're going to give up probably like a 20-24-7 then it's going to be absolutely nothing. And all the te- really all the Texans are getting out of, the, uh, out of it is that Brandon Cook's like, one of their three good players is unhappy about it. Or he's unhappy that he might get
0: traded soon. Uh, it's probably just that the New Orleans is going to actually actually pay the money for the rest of the season. Uh, I think Houston is at that point. Um, it's just it, it's a sad situation. Um, there's been a lot of Deshaun Watson talk. Roger Goodell has said, well, technically, there's not been enough information for us to, to, to suspend him. So if somebody wanted to play him, he could play. John, do you expect to see
2: him traded in the next few weeks? I don't know. I've heard a lot of stuff lately that um, they've come to terms on the deal, but they just want more clarity into the legal situation, which unfortunately everybody wants more clarity into the legal situation. So it's kind of hard to speculate that, but I think it's as close to happening as it ever has been. Uh, And that was with the Dolphins. Um, So I don't know what happens to Tua. I don't know. What, what's exactly going on, but I think he, it could happen. Well, I think that's extremely well said, Landon, when John says,
0: if it's going to happen, I think it's going to happen soon. If it's going to. Miami, in the last three years, uh, they changed leadership. That leadership is now in the hot seat. They were, quote, unquote, like NBA rebuilding until they weren't. They did that for a year. They purposely lost. They really did a good job of just hoarding a bunch of draft picks, which they drafted basically nobody good. And those players, even from two drafts ago, are already kind of bombing out. Not just Tua. Uh, They're desperate. I think those guys are desperate to see their job. I I could see a Miami – I think he's more likely to stay in Houston because it's such a weird situation. I'm surprised anybody is even talking about uh, trading for this guy. But, I mean – the Miami All-in thing is not out of the question, right? It
1: isn't, but I would expect him to say just because the deadline ends in about a week and Miami wants to know the final decision on his his court cases. I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, we haven't heard anything, but it's not like in a week just because NFL trade deadline's coming up, a verdict is going to be reached. And for how much he's going to be traded for, you just have to have that certain. You have to know, hey, this guy isn't actually going to jail for years because the asking price is is multiple first round picks, and maybe another starting level player on it. And you can't just trade that for a guy who might not who might be out of football, depending on what happens. It isn't like the NBA where you can say, "Oh, we'll trade you these picks and this player," but if he goes to jail, you have to give us you have to give it all back. You can't do
0: conditions like that. Oh, I would agree, but I think the level of desperation people keeping their job in Miami may change things. Although I have for months thought, there is no way. It just seems strange. Yes, there's no way they're going to get three first-round picks in two of them, which I know was the price tag before all this just discussing this came out. But desperation is what it is. Miami was supposed to compete. They are straight-up terrible. We'll see. It's gonna make it interesting over the next week. I don't expect it to happen, but it is on my radar. It could happen.
2: It could happen. And the funny thing is, like I mean I said look at the Miami Dolphins and obviously any trade for Deshaun Watson Deshaun Watson is for the future, but you're a one and six football team, even with him, do you think you're that much different? I don't well, know. Well, Houston was a one and six
0: type team and they were a playoff team with him. Yeah. I just wonder now I, I wonder if he might play differently under everything. Uh, that he's gone through. I think it would be a giant risk. And personally, I know that if we were in that situation, we wouldn't want him, but it it would just be really, really interesting. We haven't talked about it on this podcast much because I just don't think it's been in play, but Miami has always been sweet on him and they are the kind of marketing team that I think would go for it. I I don't want to see it, but it's worth mentioning for sure. Mm -hmm. Guys, that's it for Tennessee Titans talk. Uh, Great being back with you guys. Wow. Fun route for this team right now. Uh, going Sunday to Indy. I know you guys are all going to be excited about that. I uh, just appreciate Big Fellow being on with us and Landon. As always, the biggest thing you guys listening to us. I uh, just appreciate everybody. If you have a huge Titans fan, just share us out on Spotify. I'd love to listen at 1.2 or Apple Podcasts. You can find us anywhere on the internet and we just uh, would really appreciate it if you'd just like us or do a comment about how smart you think Landon and Bigfellow are. Or just share us to somebody that doesn't know how to work uh, podcast. Guys, thanks for being on. Really excited about Sunday. And until then, tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up.